Today on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about friendship at work. Because Oh, I just sorry that I thought you were pausing. You're trying right, to interrupt yeah. me? Yep. I'm good. Sorry. That's all. Friendship at work. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Kirsten Barron. And I'm Karina Hoyer. My friend, Karina. <laughs> Your interrupter, Kirsten. My interrupter, Kirsten. I just wanted to say, my friend, today we are talking about work and we're talking about friendship. Mm. And I think this is especially important for women at work. Yes. Because that's why we come here every other week and chat about this so that women can have more ease, meaning, and joy in their work. That's right. That's what we want. And friendship is just a super duper way of getting there. And the wildest thing about it is this was our very first subject. Was it our second? I thought we rocked your job first. No, I think Friendship at Work is episode number uno. Dang. Uno. Oh, and no. then we rocked your job. I, I think I don't know. All I know is number one. Was I friendship. re-listened to that episode to prepare for this one, and it's very different than what we are doing today. Yeah, the last one was quite a bit different. We'll revisit that, but it was quite a bit different. Okay. How are we? I feel like we've also learned a lot. I mean, we started this, I think, five years ago. KB, but it's four, right? I don't know. I liked it twenty-five years ago. I'd always like to think I've learned okay, something. Okay, but all I know is I'm sitting behind a com- I know. I'm sitting behind a computer right now and I was looking at our um folders and I was like I made a new folder for 2023 and I was like holy crap. We have folders for shows back to 2019, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. This is our fifth calendar year. We are headed year. into our fifth calendar year. Fifth calendar year. Okay. I know people, you're tired of us talking about how long There's we've been so doing much this. to talk about for women in work. But it's, it is, it just goes on and on. I know. And also we do, I think we do sound significantly different than we did back then. Of course, practice makes better. I'm not going to say perfect. And, but like you said, there's still so much I have. I don't know if you've seen, but I keep rolling with new subjects. I can't get it. There's so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that our listeners agree. We have like five topics after this one that we're really excited to talk about. I know. Speaking of one. Okay. I had a recent interaction with someone that might inspire an episode. And it's just a story I want to tell you. And I'm going to try to make it as brief as possible. But it's just about this sense of entitlement that I'm going to say it. I get from the white dudes Mm. and I don't, I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to toss it out there and then let's move beyond it. Cause I just need to get it out. I was recently on a vacation and somebody who I don't even work for or with just an acquaint, somebody who I used to be acquainted with an old former colleague emailed me and asked me if I, they could have some of my time. And my response was, well, and, you know, because I'm checking my email on va- I was still sort of working on vacation an hour a day. And I said, well, I'm on vacation right now in Hawaii. But if it's important, I'm happy to schedule something with you next week. And they said, when I get back, and they said, well, it's, I really need to talk to you before Thursday. And I thought, okay, this is kind of a big deal. So he call you know and I didn't respond so I was like I'm not going to schedule anything if this is so important to you you know what I mean if I can make time for it I'll call you blah 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 he called me three times trying to get me on the phone he knew I was in Hawaii and I didn't answer I finally called him back you know what he said to me I'm in the middle of making dinner (gasps) I can't talk to you will you call me tomorrow did you say no I said no came home got 
another several calls a day until I finally called him back. Now, and I could, I could not believe that. Oh, I can totally believe it. It wasn't even important. I will tell you that having now spoken to him, but the odd, I couldn't, I don't understand that mentality. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I want to do a show on some sort of like, I don't know what it is. How to deal with entitlement. How to deal with entitlement. With male entitlement. entitlement. That's what it was. It's interesting. We have this stop sign near my work. It's a four-way stop sign. Mm. And it's a slow stop sign. Yes, I'm familiar. People are going slow. It's slow. And I swear to you, it's often that like two or three cars will pull up to the intersection exactly the same time. Yep. And invariably, the white guy (laughs) in the big car. Goes first. Always. Uh. And I was in that. I was yesterday there with my husband. And I... That happened to me. And mm. I went and I growled. I was like, mm. and Steve said, he looked up and he said, does that always happen? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah it, it does. does. Yeah. And he said, ah, the white guys. Yeah. The entitled <laughs> white. That's like me at the grocery store. You know that that shopping cart's a weapon at this point. I'm yes. just like, I am not moving out of your way. So anyway. And I just want to acknowledge too. It's like at this point now, because I'm looking for it, mm-hmm. it's all I see. Oh yeah. It's the new word you just found. It's just all I see. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I just want to give that disclosure about my own perspective and my own filtering. Yes, it may not be the it, it may not be a universal experience in all cases, but I think it's worth talking about entitlement at work. Yeah. And I'm going to say I know who the culprits are most of the time. I think it'll be a fun one. Yeah, so that's what I'm going to talk about and hello, seriously. Okay, I'm moving on. Let's talk about friendship. <laughs> Let's talk. Thanks friend for letting me um Oh my gosh, I'm right there with you. It's drives me I'm so right there with you but friendship I'm so super it was funny too when we did that first episode on this I remember asking about learning like learning about you and how long it was so long ago learning about what makes a good friend to you and Mm -hmm. what your workplace friends you know what your status of your workplace friends were etc etc and you also busted out with the whole Aristotle thing that was like the beginning of your bringing <laughs> um philosophy into our podcast every once in a while yeah you like, like to drop cayenne you know. pepper just a little bit goes a long way <laughs> thanks for the food analogy kb so do you remember those you want to remind the listener yeah so um friendship of utility yeah. Which is when you are friends with somebody because there's like a common interest or an experience. They're useful to you. You're useful to them. I think about some of the moms on the soccer team mm-hmm. that I my kids played with over the years. Mm-hmm. They were really good friends during that period. Some work friends, I think, are friends of friendships. So I think utility. friends of utility. I also want to say when I when I was talking about friendship and this and work, when we did our first friendship episode, I said I have one or two friends at work and I think and now I have three or four. Mm. Mm. So in the last three and a half years, that's really changed for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Which was, I think, a change in me. Yeah. Frankly. So friendships of pleasure and that are those are relationships that exist just with people you enjoy being around. They're just fun to be around. Yeah. They yeah. don't have to be really deep. They don't have to be like. Oh, you know everything about each other, but you just really enjoy each other. And then the highest value of friendship is friendship of the good, which is based on mutual respect and admiration, which just has some kind of sharing of a deep understanding, of deep meaning, of people that you um, respect. Right. So I love close to and it's and they're all good. 
All good. All good. There, I mean, while one may be deeper, we net the same. We net benefits from health, phys- physical, and physiological, physical and mental benefits. Okay, it's going to be one of those shows. I can't get there. We go. Out. We'll just try one more time. Okay, you mental and physical benefits from friendships of utility, and of and the others. I mean, absolutely. I can think of times when I've talked to some parent on a soccer sideline and just really enjoyed the heck out of it, yeah. right? So even those conversations are shallow. Yeah. They're super fun. Yeah. And very entertaining. Because it's connection with mm-hmm. another person. It's connection. Which is the antidote to loneliness. I mean, and this was kind of the impetus for us wanting to revisit this. Was it friendship? Sh- yes. Was this loneliness data? Which, you know, we've talked about the loneliness epidemic before. I think we did even did an episode on it. But it's just continuing and frankly getting worse. And of course, we can thank COVID for a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But... I feel like I interrupted you there. No. Yeah? No, and turn around's fair play, friend. Okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Go back and listen to the beginning of the show. <laughs> yeah, so Gallup has released, I think there's been a, multiple studies. In fact, we're going to reference so many of them. Your head's going to spin on this episode. But, you know, f- let's suffice it to say that millions of people self- suffer from loneliness. A recent um, poll by Gallup said more than 300 million people globally don't have a single friend. Not a single friend that is shocking to me that's i mean my heart goes out to these people yep it's one of the reasons why we're going to talk more deeply today about how to build friendships at work because frankly it's one of your great opportunities to it's a great opportunity it makes it brings more ease meaning and joy into your workplace and it's like a ready space for friends exactly um it's interesting though this loneliness has gotten worse Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. what did Gallup say about that Gallup said that three decades ago three percent of Americans told pollsters that they had no close friends but in 2021 which is the date of this study 12 percent told folk told pollsters they had no no close friends Uh and as I as we talk about this there's some groups that are affected more than others women tend to be more affected than men Mm -hmm. the millennials tend to be more affected than other age groups Mm -hmm. but loneliness is on the rise it's interesting too because when we were talking about friends I do remember from that original episode I said I have very few friends but when we further defined the different kinds Mm -hmm. of friends you could have you realized you had a lot more friends I realized I had a lot more and I think you know I used to think that the only kind of friend was that friendship of the good yeah. you know that really deep connection with somebody and anyway it's just it's curious to me that some folks don't feel like they have any friends at all and if that is true and they don't even have the friendships of um utility the ones or of is, pleasure or of pleasure that is even more striking to mm-hmm. me and just and and that it's and that it is more prevalent in women what did that uh what did you say it was like 12 percent of well during the pandemic women tended to lose touch with their close friends a little more than men did yeah which means that after the pandemic they're suffering the fewer friends a little bit more significantly according to the gallup poll which is interesting and counterintuitive to me i always because i always think that women have more friends that's in my experience women have more friends than men yeah but that was that was the effect of the pandemic, pandemic. on women and friendship. Yeah, and more yeah. isolated. And I, I wonder about that. That'd be one to dig in for you. I love this one. Research has shown that loneliness has the same health risks as smoking fifteen cigarettes a day. Yeah, yeah, and not 
any of the fun. Yeah, none of the, none of the buzz, <laughs> and so or the raspy voice. So uh, that's it. That is that is from the Health Resources and Service Administration. Yeah. So not having any friends and feeling lonely really does impact you physically and mentally. Fifteen cigarettes a day. Yeah, that's the high blood pressure and the weakened immune system and. Uh, but you, it's also leads to, loneliness leads to things. Remember like- the whole line at work when it was like everybody got standing desks because sitting is the new smoking. Yeah. Right. Remember that phrase? Oh, yeah. I was like, what? And now the new phrase is loneliness is the new smoking. Yeah, having no friends mm-hmm. is the new, no, new smoking. Mm-hmm. It is interesting, though, in addition to all of these. I mean, things like obesity and insomnia and blood pressure, blood, high blood pressure, all of and those depression things. and anxiety, all from no surprise. Friends. No, no surprise. Yeah, it still does surprise me, though. It's, surprise- I, it's not. I mean, it really isn't surprising. I have to just say, I don't think it's surprising. OK, well, we're two different people and we're allowed to have two different. We opinions. are allowed to have two different opinions. We it are. Was surpri- I read something that I didn't send to you. And it was this whole series of studies on people who are isolated, like for science, like put in bunkers. Oh, yeah. Even people who are just isolated for 48 hours, which seems to me like I nothing. Mean, talk to a new mom. She'd be like, thank, yeah, thank please, you. Please, please sign isolate me, me. And they're hallucinating and a totally lose sense of time that's why solitary confinement isn't used anymore in our penal system because it's such... because it's considered like it, cruel and inhumane punishment right okay i can see why after having read this mm-hmm. and we do kind of some of that you su- like that word penal system i was like that's a sophisticated word prisons and jails yes thank you for yeah that. there we go i was struck by that and i thought about the people who are sort of not maybe not in solitary confinement, but lonely among mm-hmm. in our midst, mm-hmm. right? Friendless in our midst and certainly at work, which is, you know, obviously where we're taking this, that during our loneliness show, I think we l- learned that loneliness or isolation at work is worse than overt bullying, being ignored. Yes, or being frozen out. Being frozen Mm -hmm. out or not being seen or acknowledged is worse than like physical pain or registers in the same part of your brain as physical pain. It also though like really impacts your productivity Mm -hmm. and your business. Yeah, it's interesting. So loneliness at work, uh, you know, has all of the effects of loneliness anywhere else, but it has the additional effect of not being part of what's going on, not being part of the team. A lot of the information that we get about the workplace happens in these conversations we have by the coffee maker or when we're walking somebody somewhere in the office or the copier machine or whatever it is happening. Right. We're sitting somewhere before a meeting starts, right? Or someone's so, come sa- saunders on up to your office door and right. gives you a little chit chat. Right, comes in. So those if you if you're not engaging in those kinds of conversations, you're missing out on a lot of the information mm-hmm. that's needed to do your job well. Yeah. And for it to be enjoyable. Yeah. That's actually according to science, too. Mm -hmm. The what is it? Wharton School School of Business Business. yeah, did a study at the University of Pennsylvania that really shows important work information often gets communicated via personal relationships and informal settings. Of course. Right. Like anecdotally, we know that. But now that there's there's some research to back. And I've I've found and I think this is true for um, most people is that it feeds off of itself. Yeah. If you're lonely, you tend to withdraw. 
And then if you withdraw, you become more lonely and there's less communication, less interaction, less participation in activities. And so there's this cycle that comes with loneliness that's hard to break. Right. And again, you're lonely at work because you don't have any work friends. Mm -hmm. And I think about like being at work. So what? Like, you know, so what? So I don't have a friend at work. I got friends outside of work. I have a, you know, family at home. I have social interaction, et cetera. You know, doesn't, I'm, just because I don't have a friend at work doesn't mean I'm automatically lonely. But like you just said, yeah, but you're also out of the loop and you're um, perhaps not sort of engaging with others in a way that's going to help you advance your career, yada, yada. But we're also seeing that people who have a friend at work have higher rates of satisfaction, are more excited about their workplace, are more productive, tend to get more promotions. Yeah. And here's just the other piece of it. I mean, so, I mean, so what, right? So maybe you don't want promotions. Maybe you don't care if somebody, if you do a great job, it just is about your experience while you're there. Right. Right. Just your experience at work. And the um, the Survey Center on American Life, which did some work around this issue of friends at work, um, calculated that we spend nine years of our lives Mm -hmm. at work, 81,396 hours. That's a full time job over a regular. We, you know, start working at 22 and quit at 65 or whatever the math was. So it's a long time to be lonely. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what my point is like, it is, it kind of matters. It kind of matters. It kind of matters. It matters to you. And what I love about this too, is that the benefits of friend. Okay. So we know that there are different times in our life that are important to have friendships Yeah, for our psychological development. Sure. Right. Like little kids, like toddlers are learned to play with each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you learn how to make friends and then you go to middle school and be mean to people or be, <laughs> abuse, you know, be, be on the other side of that meanness, whatever it is. But one of developmentally, um, it's really important to make friends as young adults in high school and college. Yeah. But the importance of friends at work is second only to that. Mm-hmm. Meaning it's incredibly important for your well-being and your development to have friends at work. Yeah. Which I was surprised by. I really was. I was surprised that friends at work were so important. Yeah. Like next to college and high school making friends. Yeah. That's pretty significant. I remember somebody said, it, well, and think about it, Like you said, it's nine years of your life mm-hmm. is spent in workplace settings and frequently People know each other, know work friends longer than they've known their children or their spouses because those nine years are spread over an entire lifetime. Mm-hmm. And again, having a work friend is strongly linked to like business outcomes and your own safety and your own happiness and yada, yada, yada. The researchers have also found that um, when you have a friend at work, you're better at your job. Mm-hmm. In fact, there was a study, uh, let me look, it was University of Pennsylvania, I think, again. Yeah, the Warren School of Business. And University of Minnesota. They did this study where they pulled people together and they chose, they put people in two different groups. It was either workplace friends or workplace acquaintances. And they ran them through this whole battery of challenges that they had to accomplish. And it was things like technical things or tech. It wasn't just like 
communication tasks. It was all manner of tasks like um, information sharing and morale building, but also planning and critical evaluation and things that required cooperation and problem solving, et cetera, and slam dunk. Yeah. The, the groups that were friends did better. Higher. Mm-hmm. It's just all sorts good. of process yeah. evaluations, different kinds of processes in the workplace. Yeah, exactly. In fact, uh, so sometimes I do workplace culture assessments mm-hmm. for people. And that's one of the questions I ask them. Do you have a friend at work? Do you have a friend? At I work? love it. Cause I want to know a, how many people feel isolated mm-hmm. and B does this culture support or allow friendships at work? Do, do we model that that's okay? Or do we model that, you know, you got to be productive period, stop, no socializing, no building relationships, et cetera. Yep. And so I, I guess how do you do it? I mean, that is truly kind of, I think there's a lot of people who don't really even know. How do you form friendships with people who are just like, So I was. you're well, all thrown together? We started talking about doing this episode when that article came out in the New York Times about how to make friends. Yeah. And it was literally like a how-to guide for different times in your life mm-hmm. and different places in your life how to make friends. And I was like, What? You need a New York Times article about how to make friends, Mm -hmm. which is what prompted my kind of exploration of this in the workplace. But it's fascinating to me that, well, I want to go back to one study before we go on to the how-to. There was a wild goose study called Workplace Friendship and Happiness. Mm -hmm. And 57% of the people in that study said that having a best friend in the workplace makes work more enjoyable. I was like, who are the other 43%? Who are those people that do not think having a best friend in the workplace makes it better? Yeah. I found that to be very interesting. 22% feel more productive with friends and 21% say that friendship makes them more creative. Hmm. What I find interesting about this data is this is self-reporting data. Yeah. And I think that it is, I think people, I think these people, we as humans in the workplace are underestimating the importance of friendship in the workplace. Yes. Because when we go back and we look at the International Social Survey Program and Harvard and the uh, Wharton School of Business, they are doing, University of Minnesota, they're looking at this topic from a research perspective, perspective, obviously soft research, but still it's they're g- gaining information that is not necessarily self-reported. Yes. Right? It's an it's kind of an independent look at. And so what I found most interesting about all of this data on friendship at work is I believe, huh. Kirsten speaking, Let's hear it. out of her ear, Let's go. that we underestimate the importance of friendship I at work. I think you're right. I think that's as big humans reveal. we do. I was like forty three percent don't think it's better. Who are those people? Right? Who are those people? And I mean, I think that's an amazing call out. It's true. I mean, I think as a listener who may have been poo pooing what you're saying up until now, you know, yeah, listen up. It actually really matters. It really so talk matters. about that wound study that you told me about when we were planning. Oh God, that was crazy. This is a very interesting study. Yeah, I. Th- Think, oh, I have to click over here. You're going to hear me on my computer. There was a, um, it was, oh, it was another article that came from Gallup, and they were talking about the importance of human connection. And um, they were, there was a, uh, I can't remember, blah, 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 I'm not exactly sure who did it, but I'm just going to roll with it now. That researchers <laughs> brought, um, they, 
what brought 42 married couples together into a hospital and they actually created wounds on the arms, like small wound incisions on the arms of all of the um, people, and then put these monitoring devices on top of the wounds to see how quickly they were going to heal. And the results revealed that it took almost twice as long for the wounds to heal for couples who were reported um, having hostility in their relationships. So if you're in, so their conclusion was, if you are in a strained relationship, it could actually extend the time, nearly double the time it takes for you to recover from physical harm or surgery or to recuperate when you have, um, you know, in, in, whatever, something bad happened to you physically. So not only does it, is it like smoking 15 cigarettes a day, strained relationships make your body not even work less work, effectively. Work By the way, just as an aside, that was from um, a journal of uh, general psychiatry and it's from 2005. Thank you. Talking about the impact of um, hostile interactions, specifically marital interactions on, on wound healing. And they call it the pro-inflammatory cytokine production. Okay. Sorry to all you medical people out there that I just butchered that, but it's this really interesting piece of scientific data that when you are in stress, yes. your body does not heal as well. And there's this same article points to um, uh, how many common, how many colds you get is it definitely correlated to how many friends you have. It's very yes, interesting. Right. Yeah. I, it, I mean, I love these kind of rabbit holes where we're just like, let's talk about friends at work. I want to do And that. let's talk about wounds and, dis and, and discord all sudden, in your marriage relationship. I'm telling you the re the reading <laughs> I was going down. Like I was, before you got here, I was just, I, you saw me clicking away on this. I'm just like, Oh my mm -hmm. God, I couldn't get enough of it. It is fascinating. It's fascinating. And of course the whole system, right? Physical and mental mm -hmm. are connected. And then you overlay that with work and you, and if you're in a high stress situation or if you're dealing with hostility or if you don't like your job and then you don't have any friends at work. Yeah. You're effed. It's really hard to get you some ease, meaning, and joy. It is really hard to get it's some really ease, meaning, and joy. It's really hard to get you some ease, meaning, but and I joy. I will say this. How to form friendships at work exploration. I mean, I don't think I knew how to form friendships. Five years ago, I remember looking around going, I feel like most of my friendships are of utility. I did not engage deeply and with consistency and with vulnerability enough to, to form a lot of, or many friendships with people outside of my married, you know, my husband mm -hmm. and my um, family. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I don't feel like I needed it, need it now, but I probably would have welcomed that New York Times article five or six years, t 10 years ago, maybe mm -hmm. I'm going to say 10 years ago, you know, when I was in the grind and young mm -hmm. kids and just kind of holding Feeling it. Barely, like you didn't have time yeah, and barely how do you spend your time and all those things. Yeah. yeah. And there is research that supports that we actually, there are three principles to forming deep relationships. And this is Shasta Nelson, who is a friendship expert. Wouldn't you like to be a friendship expert? Yes. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to be a friendship expert? Yeah, friendship and relationship expert. And I read it and I was like, whatever. You claim it. You're, everybody claims there's well, something. Well, she's, you know, she's done some TED Talks. She's an author. But she, she's got some really good, she's got some yes, good stuff to she say. Does. She does. She, really she has some really good stuff to say. I just think it's super cool to be a friendship absolutely. expert. I, I don't, I know. That sort of sounded shitty and I'm sorry, No, no, Shasta, I don't think If you're listening. 
We're saying thank you, Shasta. We, is what we're we appreciate you now, but I had I came at you with a little bit of hostility. I hope your wounds heal. Um, so <laughs> quickly with your good friends. <laughs> but she has some good. She's saying you got to have three elements in any friendship if it's going to go deep. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Consistency vulnerability and positivity. Do you want to talk a little bit about those? I do want to talk about those. But before we go to those, I just want to say that Shasta has a book out that is completely about friendships at at work. work. Yes. Called The Business of Friendship, Making the Most of Relationships Where We Spend Most of Our Time. Yeah. So that's an interesting read, which I'll put the link on. Relationship expert is acknowledging you Mm -hmm. need friends at work. So consistency. Yeah. How regularly and frequently you interact with each other. Yeah. What are your rituals, your patterns, your reliable behavior? And that predictability is what builds trust. Yep. Right. I know I will hear from them or this is my experience as a friend. When I hear from people regularly, I I, I begin to realize I can rely on them. Yeah. Yeah. You start to see patterns. Mm -hmm. You start to recognize how they're going to behave. You start to get a little bit. When I walk by your office every morning with my coffee cup, I'm going to say, hey, how are you? Yes. Or, hey, what's up? Or, hey, how is that? Blah, blah, blah. Yep. And that consistency gives Mm -hmm. you a drip, a little bit more and a Mm -hmm. little bit more and a little bit more. She also says friendships at work almost always start consistent with consistency. You just have regularity. That's where they start. Um. Then you then you can move to vulnerability. vulnerability. This is my hard one. It is not. It really? is hard. Yeah, for sure. It's my hard one. I think it's mine too. Yeah. Vulnerability it's, is how I mean it's revelation, right? right? That's yeah. what intimacy is, yep. is to be revealing yourself. Yep. Right. And for you know, I mean, as I think sometimes with my clients, I'm used to being there for them. So I'm in practice of listening to others mm-hmm. as opposed to disclosing. So I have to be very deliberate in the disclosing part. Oh yeah. And and speaking from experience, you have to sit aside across the table with someone who doesn't let you get away with constantly peppering with questions. I know I've talked about this on the air, but the first time I sat, I sat with you and I was like, no, 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 no. You, you kept asking me shit. And I was like, no, no, I'm the one who asks questions. <laughs> right. You, yeah, we're both good at that. We're, we're both, both good at digging in and figure out, but it is, it's that being vulnerable. But is it that you're not practiced in letting other people it's just a habit, Ask honestly. Question. Yeah, I think it's just a habit. That's it's what a habit. Say. I don't think I'm afraid to be vulnerable because I think I hang it out there pretty much. Like <laughs> when I listened to that friendship episode again, it was my, it was talking about when I really discovered that I, as I just say it straight up, I'm a liar, right? I was living in denial. Mm. I was not telling the truth about some things in my life that were really important. And my real understanding of friendship came from my friend, Lori, who was like, oh yeah, Kirsten, you sure. exaggerate everything, yeah. but whatever she was, you know, it was that just deep acceptance, right? Which well, I never would have gotten from her had I not revealed my big blackness. Yeah. Yeah. Right. My big, scary, yucky ugliness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, do you want to call it something other than blackness? No, because it really just is. We had to just call it what it is. Just the dark. Just the darkness. It's the stuff about myself that I'm just going to keep working on my whole life. It's the dark. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because vulnerability and the like friendship triangle isn't just about revealing the things that you know you you're trying to hide. It's also about mm-hmm. celebrating and bringing your dreams and mm-hmm. your successes and not your feeling, desires, your desires, what you want exactly. without being afraid. Yep. 
Yeah. yeah. Or maybe a little bit afraid. Yeah. But doing it anyway. Yeah. And it's really, again, how you get to know each other and how you get to feel close to each other. So you got to have consistency and you got to be bring vulnerability. The third one, though, I thought was interesting, which is positivity. Mm. Which is just about having a good experience. Right. And that's what, yeah, she said, like, who wants to have be friends with someone who's just complaining constantly? That's really at the root, right? Mm-hmm. You got to have, what is it, like five positive interactions for every one, one negative. negative one. Yes. Before you're just really like, I'm done. I This is not where I want to be spending mm-hmm. my time. You want to spend time with people who are kind, who can validate your experiences or acknowledge your experiences who are grateful who can be affirming all of accepting who can express love and generosity and really treasure right you yes right yes absolutely Mm -hmm. and so when you're at work and you're seeing somebody regularly and you are able to share with them the positive, right? You're not just bitching about what's going wrong at your your job. And every once in a while, you're revealing something about yourself. Those are the, you know, drips in the bucket Mm -hmm. that lead. Start to build friendship. Start to build friendship. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you saw the statistic, but um, another guy did a study and he said it takes about 50 hours of time together. This guy, um, so associate Pre- professor of communications, um, Jeffrey Hall from, he published something in the journal of social and personal relationships. He said it takes roughly 50 hours of time together to move from mere acquaintance to casual friend. So work perfect time mm-hmm. to start clocking those 50 hours, 90 hours. I don't know if it's 90 more hours, 90 hours to go from the stage, that stage, so another 90 hours okay. to go from simple friend status. Yeah. Right? From, yeah. And then more than 200 hours before you can consider somebody your close friend. So I found that was really interesting. So, of course, work is the perfect place to be logging these hours because we have the lots of opportunity. We've got the consistency. We've got the hours, mm-hmm. hopefully. I remember that New York Times article, too, on friendship, that one of the things that struck me is that it recommended that really in order to stay into contact with a friend, Mm -hmm. that you can't go longer than three weeks without talking to each other Mm -hmm. or without connecting. Which is why I was really upset about our back-to-back vacations. I know. And then the holidays. And the holidays. I mean, thank goodness I've We've spoken to you on the phone. Unacceptably large gap of time. In I don't our love it. I don't like friendship. it. Well, I've been able to talk to you on the phone and get little updates, but seriously, and text. But no, it's been a while. Three yeah, weeks. you can really feel that difference. Yeah. What are you saying? I'm just joking. It's been three. It was three. <laughs> I know. Like, wait, three weeks? Really? I can see that again. Mm-hmm. Proximity also really matters. Consistently, really matters. So, how do you how do you do that? How do you do this at work? Again, sidling up to someone's door and starting to put the time in is helpful. You could also participate in some of those informal things, like the after hours cocktail or which the is holiday one party. of the most which is one of the most popular ways to connect with people is getting a drink after work yep yeah it's like I, I don't know if it's quite 50 percent, but it's a significant number of folks feel like one of the more meaningful ways to connect is over a cocktail which of course is our social lubrication yeah right i mean i i, I know that that's why that happens yeah 
And yeah, there was a there was that same wild goose survey that we referenced earlier. They were saying that they mm-hmm. actually pulled people like, okay, how do you want to build friends? And yeah, it was like forty six percent of people said they'd like to just go out for a cocktail. They also said they want to have space to eat and socialize and spend time together at work. And recently, at a place I've been working at a lot, we put some couches in the meeting room. So there was this like this boardroom with a big boardroom table and we reoriented it and put two couches facing each other. We just did that in our conference. We have a huge conference room with a huge conference table. Yeah. And then right next to that is two chairs and a couch and a table for people to gather. And it has I thought it was already a great workplace culture and it has then also trans it's kicked it up a notch. It kicked up. So when you're trying to get connection at work and create friends at work, you do need space. Yeah. And it's a very fair ask, whether you're a boss to do it or whether you're somebody who can ask for it. Hey, can we create a space to have some place where we can be together and take a break together, have lunch together, whatever. Yeah. Good ask. Yeah. And also if you're a leader modeling that it's okay mm-hmm. to use that space, giving people a permission is really, really helpful. There was also a really cool uh, thing that Microsoft was doing. They created a buddy system. Um, and I don't know if they're still doing this. I'm not sure where, but they were saying that. Um, so you, so every, as I understand it, every worker is assigned a buddy for the first yeah. 90 days of their employment. Yeah. And the Microsoft study found that for folks that met with their buddy at least eight times during those 90 days, mm-hmm. 97% said, hey, this buddy really helped me get productive and feel, feel you know, connected. And when a new hire met with their buddy only one time during the 90 days, the number was significantly less. Like the, the buddy helped only 56% yeah. of the folks, provided any kind of like assistance in feeling productive and connected like they knew it was going on. So that buddy system is a really interesting system to put in place. And I think for many companies, the HR director ends up serving in that role, Yeah, you know, checking in with new people who come on and better if you can spread that out because not every, the HR director cannot be everybody's friend. No. Well, they can be, but not, not, oh they God. can do yeah. the one time, not the nine time times. And I've worked at places where we had buddy systems, mostly on new boards when new, a new yes. board member would come mm-hmm. on. But it's always sort of half-assed and like, oh, yeah, well, call me if you need something. You need a regimented, you need it to be, we need it to be way more regimented mm-hmm. in order to be effective. And also creating, it creates opportunities to go like, not only to create those friendships, but also bring people up to speed on your social and c- cultural norms. Like, what is it, what do I have to know in order to be successful so that I don't get farther and farther away from the group? I want to get closer and closer and closer to the group who will soon be my best friends at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, any other kind of tips about forming friends at work that you can think of ways to build more consistency, vulnerability, and positivity? You know, I really am a, you know, I'm a great believer in intention. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we've talked about the, we've talked about kind of the state of things, how workers feel lonely how workers have fewer friends in the workplace than they used to and fewer friends generally. Mm-hmm. And we know the benefits of friendship, which we've also talked about, our physical and our mental health benefits. And so when we have information like that, mm-hmm. it allows us to make better decisions, mm-hmm. right? Which is the purpose of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So you've got some information about making better decisions. And so my, what is my strategy? It's intention. Mm. 
that you set your intentions and you look for the opportunities to make connection, Mm -hmm. right? That you, you know, remember what is it that people were going to do over the weekend and ask them on Monday, Mm -hmm. right? If there's something that you all have done in common, a training, well, what did you think of that training? Look for the opportunities to make connections with people um, because that is, like you say, 50 hours later, you've got a, you've got a, a close acquaintance at work. Yeah. Add 90 more hours and you actually have a friend at work. Yeah. Add another 200 hours and you have a close friend at work. Right. That may be a close mm-hmm. friend for life. For life. And here's the other interesting bit of data. And this last thing I'll say is from that Gallup article that Karina was talking about earlier in the show. We really need a lot of social interaction to be satisfied. In fact, the Gallup um article indicated that researchers have found that we need six hours a day of interaction of interaction now at first when i read it i thought is that all at work like are we only working two hours and having six years six hours of interaction not the case not the case (laughs) it's in your whole day Mm -hmm. right but you need six hours of good interaction in order to that's like the that's the that's the magic number at least six Mm -hmm. hours and so exactly that that is that's I don't know. I'm, I'm dumbfounded. What's that called? Gobsmacked. I'm gobsmacked I've by the n- importance of friendship, <laughs> of friendship and the importance of relationship. And I really do think this is just a place where where we as women at work just need to create a lot of intention around this. Yeah. Yeah. Th- Thanks, friend. Thanks, friend. Thanks, friends out there. Yeah. Yay. Go make yourself a friend. Happy 2023. Bye. Karina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Karina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks Thanks for for listening. I'm going to get my shoes off. And by the way, we are recording. Okay. Hi, Stacy. Okay. That was a lovely sound. Oh, I don't have anything to drink. Me neither. Okay. We're just going to go dry We're gonna mouth go. it. We're going to dry mouth it. About all I can commit to these days is hydration. Tingling. <laughs> We're drinking brown liquor on this episode. Stacy, I'm going to let all of our l- listeners know. Is there something illegal under the FAA about that? I fucking I don't know. know. I don't care. Are <laughs> we ready? There's just shit everywhere, as usual. I feel like I haven't set you up for success over there. Like you I need feel more super, surfaces. No, I feel super on. successful. <sighs> I feel so powerful. Do you want to power it? Do you want to power it? I just powered up. Power pose. Does it want to? Do you want a power pose? You know it. <laughs> I can power post through the whole fucking episode most days. <laughs> oh, yeah, that feels good. I had a massage this morning. You did. I did. It was my little treat to myself. It was so good. I always feel bad when I like hack in the f- mic with Stacy. I just Stacy feel- and I have talked about it, and she listens to every minute of this show and is ha- and happily edits out all of your hacking. <clears throat> Are we recording? I'm going to assume we are. Okay, let me just have some more tea. Are you, do you love that fucking tea? Oh my God, I love it. It has that super tanniny too. It's got a lot of tannins. I'm going to hold it the whole time.
Are we ready? Are we playing? <clears throat> Are we on? I think we're on. Are we playing? I think we're on. I'm going to try the casual record today. Okay, you're going to sit on your ass. I'm just going to lay back here in my Karina's chair. on her B-U-T-T. Um, okay, I'm going to check in about the um, noise also that people might hear, the chainsaw that my neighbor's doing, because... I think it stopped. We're professional podcasters. I well, think maybe it stopped. it's the um, air freshener. That's a generator. That's not a chainsaw. Pressure washer. Yeah, pressure washer. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, you sit still over there, friend. God, dear God. <laughs> I almost had a panic attack. Okay. Ready, friend? Ready. Not inspired. Hmm. So let's just do it. This doesn't have to be perfect. No. This would be great. Let's just do it. What's your problem? <laughs> we don't want to talk that much. I, I know. People, we... people need to get to other shit. Okay, you ready, friend? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. <laughs> 